John, you good? I'm good. Let's roll, baby. Ladies and gentlemen, leaders and fighters for freedom and liberty and the American dream, the best is yet to come. Welcome back to the Build It Podcast, folks. I am Nick Miles. Joining me as ever, John Hall. Hi, John. Hey, buddy. Hi. Thanks for joining us. Um, and joining us today, all the way from NIU, not from the NIU campus, from his own front yard, um, <laughs> is Mr. Dave Sorocca from NIU. Hi, Dave. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me on. No, no worries. Pleasure. Uh, Dave, as befits us these days, I would like to put it on you to give us the elevator pitch of who you are, what you do, and why you think we're talking <laughs> to you. Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, so I'm actually in my fifth year of uh, as being a college instructor at Northern Illinois University in the sport management program. Um, I'm a two-time graduate of um, NIU. I did my kinesiology exercise science degree um, some years back, and then a couple years later, I went back to complete my graduate degree in sport management and um, never would have thought that I'd go from student to being an instructor in the actual program, but uh, I guess they, they thought I did a good job. And uh, you know, I had good industry experience and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, they were uh, kind enough to welcome me back. So for a third time, they can't get rid of me, I guess. But for a third time now, uh, I'm associated with NIU and I'm going into my fifth year of teaching in the program. And then, as you guys know, um, over the summertime when school schedule is a little quiet, um, I work for the Schomburg Boomers, which is an independent professional baseball team out in Schomburg, Illinois. I did it. I, my degree back in the day, 25. Jesus nearly 30 years ago um <laughs> oh jesus christ uh i'm not even sure sports management existed but um certainly back in the crackiest college in the uk um <laughs> i didn't know it existed what how, where did it come from how what does it look like today yeah as a course? um yeah so definitely 25 30 years ago if there was an option to get a degree in sport management it most likely would not be at the undergraduate level um, it would be a graduate specific program. It would be a tiny sliver of people out there that were looking to get like kind of a business specific um, degree that just would be uh, working within like the sports industry. So as far as people getting undergraduate degrees, um, there certainly was options, but oftentimes those would be tied into like, you'd be getting like your, uh, excuse me, you'd be getting like your bachelor's degree in like physical education to maybe be like a gym teacher, but there'd be like a concentration of that degree that might be a, a couple sport management classes or a few marketing courses or some business classes that are kind of different than the normal physical education curriculum. So yeah, that stuff just didn't really exist. And, um, you know, there's a multiple, uh, multiple different reasons and, um, as to why those programs exist now, but certainly just, you know, if we're going to rewind back to the eighties and, um, just kind of the creation of cable television and the money that comes with network TV and cable TV and all these different stations and just the the different technology pulling us into digital. And of course, now with social media and, uh, you know, all the streaming services and all this kind of stuff, the money just keeps growing and growing and growing. And obviously, when you have an industry that continues to make more money and it continues to grow, 
there's a, uh, you know, need in the workforce, I guess. Um, so a lot of universities about 10 years ago, they started to launch bachelor's programs and, um, we just actually launched ours. And obviously, uh, as you guys know, NIU is a very large, um, state school, you know, in one of the biggest states in the country. And, um, we didn't have an undergraduate program in sport management until the fall of 2019. So, um, even with that, when we started, I can't recall the exact numbers. I think we had over a hundred students enrolled in the program, um, in that fall of 2019 and obviously spring of 2020, um, 2020, <laughs> um, you know, hits and, uh, the pandemic started and we thought, we wondered, you know, if that was going to hurt our numbers, but we continued to grow and just only, uh, Three years in now, we're at about 180 students for our undergrad program. So those are students that are actively trying to get a bachelor's in sport management. And then give or take, um, you know, somewhere between 40, 45 students, like at the graduate level in our master's program. Okay. Um, obviously, probably too, too soon to talk about successes and, you know, stardom. But what, what are people coming through your course looking to be as they come out the other side of like are they expecting to be nfl executives or are they what sure um certainly the perception of what they think they're going to be doing when they're done with school is very different from when they get into like that first core class of their like sophomore year compared to having more of a realistic outlook of it when they're graduating or they're in their senior year or if they've had some internship experience or they've you know done some volunteering in the industry um it's not uncommon, for instance, like one of the classes that I teach is introduction to sport management. And that's actually the class, uh, actually both of you guys have visited that class in different semesters. And, um, you know, those kids that's, for many of them, that's the first class that they're taking in the actual program. And when I have, you know, discussions with them on the first day, or if I send out the little questionnaire or whatever I'm doing in a given semester, and I ask them and whether it's verbally or in writing what they want to do when they finish school, oftentimes, um, you know, not necessarily immediately after graduation, but they're all their goals are always to be like the athletic director of the biggest division one program that's out there. A lot of, you know, I'd love to be the athletic director of the University of Alabama or Ohio State or Michigan, stuff like that. And not that you can't do those things, but there's only one person that has that job, you know, and um, it doesn't just happen when you're uh, 25 years old, a couple years out of school, you know what I mean? So usually when they come in, there's a lot of, I wanna be a GM of an NFL team, I wanna be a president of a major league baseball team, stuff like that. Um, and then, you know, we kinda, kinda ground them a little bit and pull them back, back to reality. And uh, after they get some experience volunteering for local Chicagoland teams or doing some, you know, whether that's just volunteer experience on their own time, or they start to do some internships um, and then, of course, having all the different speakers that we'll have into our different classes or different, uh, you know, events that we have on campus or within our program to get them to meet people in, this, in the industry and network with those folks. Um, you know, they start to realize the options out there, you know. So I guess to answer your question, I'm, I'm long winded with this, but to answer your question, they either want to be at the very, very top of the most prestigious colleges or the biggest, you know, professional organizations um, or they want to be a sports agent. That's another one. They want to be a sports agent and they don't really know what that is. I think they just think that they're going to be partying with the athletes and it's going to be like HBO's, uh, ballers or, uh, you know, Jerry Maguire. None of them have even seen that movie. I, I asked them if they know who Tom Cruise is or Jerry Maguire, whenever we talk about the sports agency units, uh, and they, a lot of blank stares. So I'm not sure if they know who that super movie star is. 
So, you know, it's one of the things, obviously, it's I, we were talking, Nick, about LinkedIn. I actually connected with Dave during COVID on LinkedIn because we didn't have a friend within NIU, especially in the sports management side of things. And um, I thought it sounds like that's a growing industry. More and more people are going into it. And again, to bring it back to like this podcast is like, well, that's a very smart mutually beneficial relationship for clubs at our level to create these relationships like we have with you. Um, so like in, in dealing with that, um, you know, my question is what, like, what are the biggest challenges for these, this growing number of students? They're probably all competing for internships. Your numbers are getting bigger, which means uh, U of I is getting bigger and sure. University of Chicago is getting bigger. And mm -hmm. there's only so many sports teams and organizations to go around. So how do the students differentiate themselves and, and, uh, and, and how do, how do clubs like us, small sports organizations, how do we supplement and help out with what you're doing? Sure. No, that's a great question. And uh, certainly I, you know, myself as, as well as my colleagues in the department, we talk ourselves, you know, till we're blue in the face about getting involved, volunteering, doing internships early. Um, and, you know, I'm even guilty of it too, when I was, you know, 18, 19, 20 years old, where you just think like, oh, I'm going to get my bachelor's degree and then I'm going to get the, uh, some nice big fat salary. I'm going to have a corner office, you know, um, the boss is going to let me sneak out uh, early on Thursday and I'm not going to come in on Friday because I'll be golfing, you know, or whatever that, whatever that, you know, kind of that pipe dream is as far as um, how they're going to land and where they're going to be. So yeah, to set yourself apart. I mean, it's so important um, to just get that experience early and often, you know, and I think sometimes when we talk about it, I feel like I'm almost like lecturing at them. Like I'm a, like I'm a parent cause I care about them and I want them to, to do well, but I talk about it so much to so many different students because um, it is heartbreaking, uh, you know, when they get towards the end of the program and, um, it's not like they never get a job or they don't have a successful life, but some of them certainly can get to the end of the program where you've done four years of school and sport management. You've never really volunteered. You're trying to get an internship and even like going through the process of an internship, it may be difficult to obtain one because why are they going to bring you on when you can hire somebody else that's been doing something for two years and now they're going to intern with fill in the blank organization, you know? So not that it's impossible, but certainly setting yourself apart. Um, you know, I, I certainly talk about you guys a great deal in class, and usually every semester there's a couple kids that take an interest in you guys, whether they're soccer fans or not. You know, they just want to help out and they want to get involved. And, you know, they, uh, they've drank in the Kool-Aid, you know, of the stuff that I've said and uh, kind of just kind of just give them the, you know, the verbal promise of, hey, if you, if you do this now, like I, it's, it can only help you you know, down the road when you're about to graduate. So, yeah, it's uh, it's difficult because you think about just how many, you know, within our program, how many students do we have? And then how many universities, big and small, do we have just in the Chicagoland area, you know? Um, and how many students are graduating from that program every semester or every year? And then you multiply that by 50, you know, in the country of all the different states. And then you start to look at it like, well, how, you know, how many jobs are there available? So, yeah, you cer it certainly can be very competitive where there might be, some entry level position that's going to get you $32,000 a year um, in some city that's very expensive to live in. And then you're going to have, you know, 1500 applicants and they're only going to pick one. And it's like, how do you stand out? You know? Yeah. I think, I think one of the things that I've done when, when you've been able to point students in our direction, um, I, I actually like my, my little intro question is, 
like what interests you what skills do you have and mm -hmm. when you've been in sports for 50 years and you're retiring what job are you going to retire from mm -hmm. like what's your end game do you want to be a general sure. manager do you want to be an athletic director do you want to be a the people that you've you've been able to connect us with that have a soccer background you know a lot of them want to be uh technical directors sporting directors where they're uh, recruiting players and and run managing the soccer on the field and stuff and i've always tried to like well that's cool and that's good but i'm going to take you in a different direction and you're going to help me with sponsorships or ticketing or all the other things that you know and if i can get you involved there that's great but it you know sometimes that's hard to drop an intern in and uh and i think one of the challenges i've talked to you about before dave with a club like us is just, we don't have regular office hours. So you, you know, normally you'd like to get an intern and say, Hey, be here from uh, one to four every Tuesday and Thursday. And we don't have that. So it's a lot sure. of, uh, and, and this is for clubs at our level across the country. Um, having an intern um, takes, it takes management of those, those young people. And, and the other thing that hurts us sometimes Dave is we are not experts at what we're doing either. You know, mm -hmm. we're just passionate about our project, but sure, they're not necessarily learning from somebody who's, oh yeah, I've I've worked for the Milwaukee Bucks for thirty two years, and um, so it's a, it's just a different, more grassroots experience for them. I think there's still value. There's definitely value in having them help us, um, and I think I think there is some grassroots passion for what we're doing that maybe you said drink the Kool Aid, drink the Ecto Cooler in, yeah. in green here, mm -hmm. and. Um, and help them get some experience. And, and even a lot of it, I think, is is talking to people, coming to the games and seeing fans. And, you know, uh, Nick, Nick and I are big on high fives at the gate. Like, just high five people. Thank them for coming. Just, you know, get away from the screens and just in, interact with people. Um, I think it goes a long way. So It really um, does, John. You know, and then think about that. Like, that costs how much money to do that? You know, it costs zero dollars. But people will have a stronger sense of connection to not only the team, um, or excuse me, not only the sport, but just the team because of how community-based you guys are, you know, and kind of like the family kind of atmosphere that you guys are trying to get across because you guys are all in this together. You know, it's not just uh, you guys trying to run the show and you want to have your own club. You know, you want to involve the community and everything that you do and businesses and schools and, you know, all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, that goes a long way. And um, it's, uh, you know, when I go to these different places, I wish more teams would kind of do that because it takes – very little effort and it costs zero dollars to to do some of these things you know mm -hmm. i want to take a left turn then here seeing as we started to touch on that um and we'll come back to the students but um part of the reason we got you on was because of your your role within the schwamberg the schwamberg schwamberg boomers um again as you said minor league baseball in the chicago land area but you know a minor league baseball team is a minor league baseball team it doesn't matter where they are um a, I guess, like very quickly, what is it that you do for them? Um, and then B, what is it that they do that excites you for their catchment area? Sure. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I've actually been working with them now. Um, trying to think, I think this next year. I'll be going into my sixth year working for that organization. And um, while I've been there, I've been the fan information coordinator. So I work on the concourse. Um, when I first started, I really didn't know. I was I was kind of a different kind of sport management person. Where when they hired me, for instance, at Northern Illinois, um, 
I, I had a like a parks and rec, like campus recreation background, which is like a segment of sport management. But most people think of it as you're working for a professional sports team on the business side or minor league or college athletics or something like that. So I was kind of different coming in there. So when I first started to teach, um, truth be told, you know, I, I had all this campus um, recreation experience working for Northwestern University over in Evanston on the lake, um, Lake Michigan. And, uh, you know, I worked for uh, a park district system for five years. I worked in a lot of fitness spaces and sports performance spaces. That was kind of my background. I wasn't on like the business side of working in sports. So when I started to teach, I you know, just being brand new to teaching and just totally jumping in with both feet, I very much felt like, you know what, I have to get tied into some sort of organization. So I did the most basic thing you could possibly do at the Boomers. Um, and that was just to be hired on as an usher. So I was certainly the youngest usher, um, probably by 35 years, because everybody's retired. And then everybody's confused, like, what's this? Uh, what's this handsome, you know, 30 year old guy? doing here and why is he working as an usher in the summertime when he's supposed to be at work you know and it's like well in the summers we have off or we work remote um and we don't have the strenuous schedule during the school year right so um yeah so i just started off as an usher and then the very you know about halfway through the season um the gentleman that oversaw the ushers his name was art he just was having some uh, health issues and uh, decided to um, after being with the team for, I think, eight or nine years at that point, he decided to just kind of retire from his retirement gig. And then I took over the fan information area um, and basically just kind of oversaw the ushers, helped them out. But the biggest thing that I had to deal with was I'd be on the center of the concourse. I'd have a fan information little table. And that was basically the place where people came for questions or if they had some problem that needed to be resolved. So I was either dealing with people that were really happy or I was trying to put out fires and people were really pissed off about stuff. So I had to come up with solutions on the fly and deal with, you know, kind of both ends of the spectrum being super happy or people being upset and trying to, you know, make them, uh, make them, you know, relax them and try to make, try to fix whatever the issue is. So. So like you kind of, you, you progressed is what we're saying, but not, but, um, the supplementary question to that then was like, what is it that they're doing today this right now not right now but right now i guess that um excites you and what is it that they could do better for their community yeah um you know there was a new ownership um excuse me not ownership there was new management that came in um just when i was about to start so even from when i started to now there's just such a difference in the amount of tenants we have i can remember back in 2018 um what seemed normal to me because it was my first season with them they really had tiny, tiny attendance numbers. You know, if we had like a really busy Saturday, you know, at that point in time, maybe we had like a couple thousand people there. And to me, that seemed like a big crowd. We're working this last, you know, 2022 season. We had plenty of Wednesday, Thursday nights that looked like what a Saturday would have looked like a few years ago. So, um, you know, I'm not a front office member. So in the off season, I, you know, literally will have the last game of the season. I'll say goodbye to a bunch of people and then I really don't see them face to face or there's not a ton of communication until the springtime comes and we start going through orientation and we're getting ready for the following season. You know, um, I know I could speak for what they do in the community. You know, of course, just like with you guys, I'm sure they're actively involved in the Chamber of Commerce, you know, the Rotary Clubs, um, you know, the Schomburg Business Association, all that kind of stuff. Um, working with, you know, schools and, and, you know, putting in all the prep work that goes into the off season where I think just like with you guys, you know, I mean, really any sports team, I think people 
the, the general public just thinks when the season's over, everyone just hangs out for a few months and they don't do anything. When the reality is a lot of the prep and the planning, you know, goes into that kind of stuff. Um, that's really when you're planning that stuff. You know, when you have a bobblehead giveaway um, in the middle of uh, July, they didn't just come up with that then. They were probably finalizing that deal back in January or February, you know, with whoever the sponsor is and stuff like that. So um, I guess as far as just excitement, things things for me, you're asking just personally, like, what do I like working for the team and stuff like that? Um, I'm not going to be able to say it as elegantly as uh, my friend does, but uh, friend, a buddy of mine, his name's Doug Cirillo. He actually works for the King County Cougars. And I can remember when I met him, I was actually a grad student and he was a guest speaker in a business class that I was taking at NIU. And um, he was the, he's the uh, director of finance over at the King County Cougars. They were a, they were a major league uh, baseball direct affiliate team for 30 years. And they just recently went independent. Um, but anyways, I could remember Doug telling us in the class that, and this is exactly kind of how I feel when I'm there at the ballpark, because I'm certainly not going to get rich doing what I'm doing over the summer and working five hours a night on a weekend. Um, but my friend Doug would tell me that, like, you know, you have people that, like, work, like, in a factory that make television sets, you know. They make the televisions. They ship them off to a store, a family buys them, and then they get to enjoy them for years to come. And there's a lot of family memories or there's a lot of good things that happen, you know, in front of that television. And he talks about how, you know, you have people like that where they create some sort of product and you don't get to see the end results. Where when he's at the ballpark at his club, you know, every single day he gets to see the labors, you know, the, uh, all, all the efforts and the, the laboring that everybody does in the off season or during the regular season. And they actually get to see like the fans experience to see how much of a positive you know, experience that is for them. Um, you get to actually see it on their faces when kids are running around with hot dogs and cotton candy and uh, mom and dad are, you know, getting souvenirs for them and stuff. And it's just a fun, exciting time out. So, you know, I, I, I feel bad that I didn't say to my elevator pitch, I should have, but I'm, I'm, I'm a father of two beautiful little boys. And, um, you know, I get a great joy of working for a team like the Schomburg Boomers because I get to bring my family to the park when I'm working. You know, and um, family members will come in. I get to see them experience that kind of stuff. Um, or I'm coming in on my day off, or maybe I'm not going to work a couple games and we'll swing out there for a game and uh, let the kids run around in the kids' zone, you know, or we'll grab a hot dog or, you know, go to the souvenir shop and get something. So, really for me, you know, for what they, for the, the hourly work and what I get paid, I'm, like I said, I'm not going to be rich doing that in the summertime. It's more just supplemental income. And it's more just kind of fun money, you know, just to kind of throw around in the summer. But, um, yeah, I just get a lot of satisfaction, whether it's bringing out friends and family and seeing them experience not only the baseball, but just the entertainment aspect of coming out to the ballpark. And then, of course, just the thousands of strangers that come through the, the gates, you know. I, I've been trying, Dave, to one of the challenges we have in, in soccer, in the in the lack of a soccer culture, um, everybody knows what football is and everybody knows what minor league baseball is. But when we try to explain the level of soccer that we play and the type of entertainment um, and the fa the family fun experience that you just described, um, minor league baseball is really the best comp for what at least our club's trying to do. And there's a lot of clubs that, that don't try the things we try. Um, but I use minor league baseball as a frame of reference where you don't have to know the players. You don't really mm -hmm. have 
Like you don't even have to know this, like, Hey, have they won four in a row? You don't, none of that yep. really matters. Mm-hmm. Just turn up for three hours, have a beer, let the kids run around take some pictures and go home. And it's, it's cheap, fun entertainment. I, I think that's one of our biggest challenges has been the um, educating the market in what we are and what we're trying to do. And I've used the Kane County Cougars because they're 30 minutes away. Mm-hmm. Everybody in DeKalb knows the Kane County Cougars. And I like, well, think of us like that, but we're only f- five years old. Mm-hmm. So give us 40 more years with your input and your support. We could, be bigger and better and and establish ourselves a little bit more like that. Um, I think that's one of the hardest things. I don't know if baseball is similar where the, the old traditionalist baseball people are all retired now. And there, I know there's still plenty that go, but they're, they're going for that entertainment more than necessarily the baseball, I think probably. And maybe yeah. that's just me, it's, but it's just, it's an, it's a, it's a two and a half, three hour show is really yeah. what it is. That's the whole sure. Jesse Cole Savannah bananas thing, isn't it? Yeah, that's uh, that's exactly it. And they're certainly more of like the Harlem Globe Globetrotters, you know, of uh, baseball. But even, you know, even just clubs that aren't doing the crazy zany things that they do um, that gets them attention on ESPN as a very small independent baseball team that's unaffiliated, I think, to what, down in Savannah, Georgia, right? Um, yeah, I, you know, it's, it's, it's not – even myself working there, I'll work – you know, I probably worked almost half the games this season, and um, I can't – you know, if you held a gun to my head, I, I don't know if I could name three guys on the team because we're running around and there's new people on the roster all the time. There's guys that are getting picked up by true farm systems and major league baseball and your, your competition to sell tickets to a Schomburg boomers game or to a DeKalb County United, you know, um, game. It's not another soccer club or another baseball team. You know, it's the movie theater or the pizzeria in town or the local carnival or the, you know, the festival that's going on the, you know, whatever, whatever that may be. So those are actually your real competitors. It's just a, an affordable family night out. Um, you know, and I, I'm sure you guys can experience this just within your demographic of people that are coming out too, or at the ballpark, you know, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but we don't have like a ton of 18, 19, 20, you know, 21 year old kids coming out to the baseball game. It's usually a lot of families. Um, mom and dad are looking to come on out to the game, spend, you know, 14 bucks or, or less for a ticket, you know, um, you know, not, not have to pay eight or nine bucks or 10 bucks for a hot dog. I don't know how much they are at Wrigley or over at the White Sox now, you know, but, um, you know, you don't want to get just totally get gouged in the uh, pocketbook, you know, and then you want a place where you can go and it's safe. You want a place where you can go and maybe parking's accessible or it's easy to get to, you know, we're, we're not going to get a lot of people from Wrigleyville to come out to a Schomburg Boomers game, you know, but there's a lot of families that would like to go to a Cubs or a White Sox game, but it's a big process, you know, so for them to come to the Boomers, park for free, walk across the street with police and, you know, and uh, crossing guards just so it's safe to get across the road when people are zipping in and out. Um, and, you know, if you, if you, if, uh, the kids want to get a hot dog and they want to get a soda and some popcorn, you know, it's not going to totally kill you. You know what I mean? It's actually, frankly, the prices that we have on all those kinds of concession items are cheaper than if you did go to a movie theater and you guys know how expensive those are now, you know? So, um, yeah, I think, uh, I think you guys are, you guys are doing a good thing. And certainly, uh, you know, I can think back when I was growing up, I had very few friends that played soccer, soccer in the early nineties, you know, 
wasn't as big certainly as it is now and it's you know you know uh multiple folds bigger of course you know both of my kids have played soccer my son is really into soccer and i never would have thought he'd be a big soccer head you know um, my girlfriend's kids they both play club soccer you know like basically 10 and a half months of the year and um you know it's it's a you know maybe it's a little bit of a stretch but you know george hallis and the bears and the nfl started you know 100 and uh what uh 102 years ago, you know, and they all started as a company softball league style level of, you know, American football and a um, little bit at a time, you know, these things grow. And, you know, I, I could remember reading articles just about like major league soccer and initially having issues of people even buying in. I think it might've been five, five million bucks to buy a uh, franchise net issues with people even buying into the idea of bringing soccer to the United States 20 years ago, you know, yeah. and now those clubs are valued at, you know, billion dollars or something like that. Crazy, crazy. God bless the pyramid scheme, right? Um, <laughs> a little while back, you just, you spoke about the, the demographic of your, of your audience, the spectators. Mm -hmm. um, it's a thing we've noticed, right? We, we had great success and we're anticipating great success with the families. And there is nothing wrong with being a family-friendly environment, obviously. Mm -hmm. um, but I see study after study after study that's basically saying that um, the kids, you know, the, the 19, the 20s, the, the, the ones that when we were kids, we were passionate, that they're not passionate anymore, that they're, they're all about the TikToks and they're all about their seven-second sure. highlight reel. Um, a, in your experience, is that true? And I guess your 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 experience is kind of going to be slightly skewed because of the people, the, the kids that you are interacting with. But um, also, whether it is true or not, um, the demographic of baseball is definitely skewing older as time goes on. Yep. Same as non-league soccer in, the, in England is. Um, how do we arrest that? How does baseball arrest that? Yeah, it certainly is a uh, tricky question. You messaged, you know, you met, you mentioned Jesse Cole earlier, the guy that owns the Savannah Bananas, and I know I've seen him on LinkedIn and videos that he's posted where he's being interviewed, and he's just talked about how baseball has to make those changes because the fan base is getting older and older and older, and attendance is certainly going down and down. You know, and it's really tough because I think a lot of that has to do with just having a handheld device. You know, and kids are getting them as young as eight, you know, seven, eight years old. They got a $1,500 iPhone in their hand or, you know, you can uh, run out to the store and you could spend 700 bucks and you could bring home a 75 inch high definition television that can get you, you know, any movie and any show for a, a cheap subscription a month, you know. So not only baseball, just sports in general, um, even though they're making more and more money when they're building more, um, excuse me, when they're building newer stadiums, it's not a big surprise when they're actually building a newer facility and it actually has less seats than what the previous building may have had, you know. Um, I'm kind of already starting to spin off on a tangent here. So try to get me back on track if I go too far with talking about this stuff from your initial question. But, you know, even these big facilities, you know, they're taking out less of your normal box seats and they're putting in more kind of club level or more like throwing some leather chairs and some high bar top tables where it's hard for me to understand it. I'm not even that old. I guess I'm more of a traditionalist when you go to a game, you know. Um, certainly if I had my father sitting next to me, he would, his head would really be spinning when he, you know, when people are paying, <laughs> paying for a ticket to go to a sporting event and then they go sit into the bar club area and they watch the game on TV in the building where the game's being played, you know, it's really strange yeah, to kind of think that. So, 
Um, yeah, really, I, I think the social media and the TikTok and the Instagram and that kind of stuff, it's really changed. And I've really, even for just from the teaching aspect, I've noticed a big change in it just in the five years um, that I switched over from all my sports performance stuff to, you know, putting on the uh, teacher business casual clothes and uh, coming into the classroom. I it's just even just tension spans and just, you know, it's, it's sometimes it can be difficult to just get through an hour class where, you know, five years ago, kids would sit there with uh, actual you know, pads of paper and pens. And now everybody's just, they want to be on their phone or they got their laptop open and some of them might be working on something that's not related to class. And uh, it's, it is, it is tough. So, you know, I uh, think about baseball and I know like, especially at the minor level system, they will test things um, before something like major league baseball picks it up, just like any of the professional big time organizations will, you know, and there's been conversations about having pitch clocks or, you know, um, it's changed a few times in the frontier league, which is where the Schomburg boomers play. But like when they go into extra innings, it's not like major league baseball where you'll just play forever until somebody eventually gets a score, you know, um, you know, we'll, we'll put a guy on second base right off the bat. I think it might be maybe in the 11th inning. I can't remember exactly. Usually I'm running around and I'm not paying attention to the game because I'm actually working <laughs> the event, you know, yeah. but um, it's changed over. It, it changes and every league could be a little different, but I know there's a lot of teams that are or leagues that are experiencing that experimenting with that, where there'll be some sort of pitch clock where you can't just sit on the pitcher's mound and uh, take your sweet time. We've got to kind of speed mm -hmm. this game up a little bit or, um, you know, when you get into some sort of extra inning situation, you're putting somebody on base or you're putting them in, into a scoring position just because that's what, because people want to get out of there, you know? So I think sure. the older folks, that's okay with them. And the younger people, they want something that's two hours and they want to get out of there and they want to go on to the next, next thing, yeah. you know, with their day. Yeah. It's, I don't know, it's like you say, it's not a baseball issue. Um, it's not an issue that's just for not minor league soccer, right? It's an issue across the board. Um, NFL is always at the forefront of sort of this engagement experience, like the hype mm -hmm. and whatever else. Um, and I, I guess, I don't know, as I'm saying it out loud, it seems counterintuitive, but like for all the complaints about how long the game is, it feels like organizations need to be put, put, put more effort into how long the day is. Like shorten the shorten the the physical experience shorten the shorten the game but lengthen the experience so do more pre and post game and focus less on winning but you know mm -hmm. less the like this the soccer the sport will take care of itself sure but the fun part won't mm -hmm. uh, it's I, I don't know what the solution is but there's got to be it, it doesn't have to be something but thing something needs to change if we're if any of us are going to survive I, outside Nick, of I... I think the um, the interesting thing, Dave, you probably know better than I do, but in, in the Chicago area, there's Kane County, Schaumburg, there's uh, Rockford's got a team, minor league baseball team, Joliet, Beloit, Wisconsin. Um, the is there, there's Chicago. Another, yeah, Kenosha's got the a team, Roosevelt has a team. Um, I think maybe one of you guys can look it up real quick. There's the Windy City Thunderbolts, I forget, maybe they're in Crestwood or something, kind of on the south side over yeah. there. Um, yeah, there's just there's tons of but but that's I guess that's what's so interesting. That's what's so interesting to me is again using that as a comp for the level of soccer that we are trying to create and create a culture for. There's six, seven, eight teams of minor league baseball in this metro Chicago ish within an hour, um, and and 
in a weird way, and of course your attendances are higher, but in a weird way, that's even just our league. We've got seven or eight clubs around Chicago. Mm-hmm. And again, just not drawing thousands in attendance. We're drawing hundreds, but um, it's just interesting how you, I like, even though there's, if you want to support a minor league baseball team, there's three or four options within 45 minutes of all of us. And it's just, you know, even then you're still kind of carving out your niche of, well, pick us instead of them because we're better, sort of. Sure. You know, it's just kind of interesting. That's all. I think it's I think it's just one of those generational things where it's just going to take a while. You know, other than uh, the cheeky Brit that we have here on the call, I don't know any other folks that are really, you know, um, as old as Nick. No, I'm just kidding. No, but like, you know, like with baseball, it's like you could have, you know, the 85 year old grandparents and they understand what baseball is. They know what the rules are. They know how long a game may take. They understand what kind of food's going to be there. You know, let's go up to random people um, that don't come from outside the United States where, you know, soccer is the number one sport globally, you know, and let's, let's talk to somebody that's, that's within the United States and ask them how long is a game, you know, how many players are on the field. Um, is it quarters? Is it half? You know, how, how do they, how does the game even go? A lot of people probably can't even answer those basic questions. You know what I mean? Um, so I think that's just part of the thing where that will change as time goes on, but we've had, you know, uh, what, 18, 1876 uh, was when the national league was founded and <laughs> the American league was maybe 1903 or something like that. Um, you know, we've had over a hundred years of, stable professional a professional baseball league and you know how long has mls been around you know um you know how long has your guys league been around or how many times does a team come up and then they're around for a year or two and then they just fold you know and it's really just hard to kind of get that traction i mean that that would happen in all sports it's not just soccer you know baseball you see that too even like where we're at with the schomburg boomers our building i think was built in 1999 but we're you know we've had different teams that are before us and we're the longest running team that's still functioning and we're growing and they're actually doing a really great job from an ownership. And of course the front office standpoint of um, growing that their brand of baseball, you know, in that community. But I think that's just a big part of it. Cause like I said, even when I was a kid, I didn't play soccer. None of my friends did. There really wasn't a lot of soccer talk, you know, and um, now it's just such a giant thing. I can't believe when I go with my kids on a Saturday or Sunday to just see how many games and how many fields and how many parents are out there and stuff like that. You know, that just like wasn't a thing for me growing up, you know, out here at least. Um, I just, I got one quick question. We just want to jump back to the interns. So let's make the assumption that, that um, both people listening to this podcast already have connected with their local sports management program. And they've got an opportunity to bring interns in. Um, what is the best way for us to handle those students um, to make sure that they're getting a positive experience and learning something? And we're uh, just so we're not wasting each other's time a little bit, but there's actual formal growth to benefit the club and the student, the intern. Um, you know, is there one or two things like make sure you do this when you get an intern that you can? share with us sure yeah you know and you kind of touched on it earlier where just some of the some of the issues that you guys might have is just that you you haven't always had like a physical meeting place you know the you know an actual office where there's people that are going to be in there most days of the week where they can actually come in and sit with you face to face you know um 
just, you know, going back to just, just talking baseball and I'm not even the biggest baseball guy, but obviously like I, we've been talking here I, over the summertime I'm there. And, uh, you know, if we have a game that's at six o'clock at night, um, our interns might be there at 10 AM that day, helping the front office staff get ready, leading up eight hours working, leading up before the game even starts, you know? Um, and then with different kinds of students that are coming in from colleges, as far as interns, you know, it's, uh, can be kind of tricky because, you know, like, let's just say we, uh, let's just say I have some student that, uh, you know, maybe has interned at two different places already and they understand kind of a little bit of how they're supposed to conduct themselves in that, in that space. And I guess they're a self-starter, I guess I'll use that word. So I could send you that person or connect you with that person that might be interested in getting helped out where, you know, and I know you guys have had people like this that we've, that we've uh, talked with about in the past where you get them and then they just, you give them some tasks and they run with it, you know, and they're willing to go above and beyond, you know? And then there's other times where you have those students where they're like, they want to get involved, but other than working some retail or some fast food in high school, they haven't really developed that work ethic yet. You know, or they really just that maybe they're big soccer fans and they just have they have no idea what they're even getting into. And you might have to hold their hand, you know, a little bit more. So it's kind of tricky just because, you know, if you have kids that have a little bit of experience. I think they understand, even if all these organizations are going to be different, um, they at least kind of understand the process, you know, and what the expectations might be where, um, you know, some of these guys, they don't have any experience and uh, you have to kind of hold their hand a little bit. So. I, I guess, you know, maybe I'm just speaking from my own experience as a younger kid, but I feel like just meeting in person or having the ability to at least see that person in your guys' case, maybe once a week or something, just having some sort of, you know, seeing them face to face instead of talking on the phone or going through Zoom or something. I feel like that might be helpful as far as getting more productivity out of that person um, compared to just talking virtually, you know, it's the same thing with, with the classroom, you know, for in the classroom, we're able to engage in a totally different way than if it's a bunch of little squares on my screen where no one's ever going to ask a question or raise their virtual hand, you know, and just don't get as much out of it. What can, like, I don't know how to phrase this. Is it, do kids, kids, but do the kids get enough out of volunteering for an organization like ours versus a Boomers or a, you know, an Iowa Cubs or whoever, like, and I know they're bigger again, but is there still value in volunteering for an amateur organization versus a professional organization? Yeah, of course. Um, and I, you know, I don't know if it's just because of where our Chicagoland teams are like located and how those connections have kind of been developed over time between myself and those different teams, because all of the people in our department, we talk to different people in different organizations, um, you know, throughout all, really throughout the country, but, you know, of course, concentrated in the Midwest or the Chicagoland area, but I've really made a point to do it, especially as our internship coordinator of our program. I didn't mention that. I don't think at the beginning I teach classes in the program that I'm also our internship coordinator. Um, I always promote, you know, going to work for a smaller club because, you know, let's just say you're, you know, you want to do an internship with the Chicago Cubs, you know, and um, they hire you as a sales intern, let's say. I can't say for sure because I haven't worked there and I haven't interned for that organization, but, you know, large organizations like that are you're going to come to work for your internship and you're going to do one specific job and you're going to do it every single day, you know, where you come to DKCU type of club, um, you come to the Boomers, you go to the Windy City Bulls, which is in the G League of the NBA, 
um, you know, any of these smaller time organizations, when you pull up that front office list, it's usually around 12 people or less, you know, 12 if you're lucky, um, compared to having a few hundred people that might be full-time at one of these other organizations. So I guess what I'm trying to say is, you know, you get your, you get to wear a lot of different hats, you know, um, when you work for a small club, there, there's probably no one that works for you guys at all in any capacity that just does one thing. You do all different kinds of stuff, you know, or even if you do kind of have a designated role when there's a game day and it has nothing to do with what you do on non-game days or in the off season, you're running around, you're setting up tables, you're, you're greeting people when they're coming in, you're selling merchandise at the table, other places you might be selling food and drinks, you know, um, you know, we'll see our own front office members at the boomers where you'll have a big line at the concession stand and then you'll see some of them jump behind the concession stand. They're wrapping hot dogs and filling drinks and and, you know, collecting cash and uh, punching away at the register. And it's like that's not what they went to college for, you know, and that's not what all their years of managerial experience are meant for. But that's what you do at a smaller place like that. So I always encourage the students, you know, um, if, if their dream is to work for the Blackhawks or the Chicago Bulls or something, that's great, you know, and you could, and there certainly are plenty of avenues to just jump right into those major level organizations and work for them. But if you, if you're going to be doing something, you're going to be doing one specific thing at a department with a bunch of other people where I love just the idea of you come to, for instance, like the, a minor league ballpark and every single day is a totally different thing, you know, and there's always same thing with you guys. I know there's going to be every game. There's probably surprises that come up that have never happened. It's the first time ever kind of thing and you have to pivot or you have to come up with some sort of creative solution to keep the show going you know so i'm always talking to them about working for an amateur club or a semi-pro team or a lower level professional fill in the blank baseball you know basketball whatever team just because you get to meet so many different kinds of people and um you get to get your hands dirty and there's plenty of opportunities that come up where Students will say, I never wanted to do this role at whatever organization, mm-hmm. but then they actually started to do it. And they're like, you know what? I'm actually really good at it. And I really like it. Yeah. You know, how, how many kids grow up and say, I want to be an equipment manager one day for a, a professional sport organization, you know, or how many people are like, I, when I'm, when I'm a grown up, I'm going to be a, the director of food and beverage for minor league baseball team. No one does that, yeah, yeah, you yeah. know, but yeah. you get involved and you do this different stuff. And um, I think it makes you a more well-rounded candidate when you go on to that next job and um, kind of keeps you more creative because you're working for such a smaller place and you have the ability to, to really help out on a bigger scale at a smaller kind of yeah. organization. I guess, I guess that's why, like, what I would like the listener to take away from this is, like, um, obviously every club, every organization at our level needs volunteers, but sometimes we feel bad i guess i don't know what the word is but i think bad's the worst word um but bad about asking people to do job x because either it's not in their comfort zone or you know it's whatever um but ultimately like it's you scratch my back i'll scratch yours we whatever it is from a certainly for a young a youthful volunteer less so the older ones um it's all gonna build up on a resume right it's all about the experience and about helping out and we should we need to feel less bad about um asking people to do things that aren't their thing sure no i i mean i completely i totally get that and i i've said to students plenty of times where you know when we interview for that job they always ask you that question where it's it's meant to kind of trip you up where it says what are some of the areas that you need to work on 
or what's like the failure you've had that you've overcome and stuff like that. And I always tell these kids, I'm like, when you guys are interning at a place and you're doing some of these roles that you feel really uncomfortable with or that you don't want to do, this is great ammunition for the next interview for that job when they ask you, what do you need to work on or what are some stuff that, you know, what are, what are not your strong suits, you know, kind of a thing. I think sometimes throwing them to the lions are, are a good thing because you have to come up with a solution. You have to figure it out, you know, and um, that only adds value to going on to that next job. So yeah. for all these kids that want to work, I, I keep saying the highest level, you know, just like being at the pro level at the highest level, you know, the major league level, um, you could do all those things, but that shouldn't steer you away from, working at the minor league level or working in a sport that's totally different, you know, from everyone we talk to, it seems like none of those things kind of really matter. Um, sure. You know, if you're working in hockey to basketball, to baseball, to soccer, you know, it's the, it's the business of helping people. Yeah. And Again, and well, well, the, the sport that you're, the sport that you're marketing, the sport that you're stewarding people who are watching the sport that you are selling tickets for um, that's happening anyway. So it doesn't matter. It's like two of, two of the best interns, volunteers, whatever you want to call that we've had coming through your program. I haven't given a flying fuck about soccer. Yeah. But um, like the soccer is going to happen, but we need their skill set. And sure. I think, yeah, I think we too often within lower league soccer, we're kind of blinkered to the fact of like, you've got to be a soccer fan. Otherwise you don't get it. But again, we're not in the much though we're in the sports business. We're not in the sports business. We're in an entertainment business, and we need popcorn sellers, and we need ticket sellers, and we need yeah. sweeper uppers, and we need all of that stuff. We don't need a left back. Yeah, you need you need nice people with a warm smile that you know are going to be good with customer customer relations and building connections and stuff like that. Dave, let's let's talk about this idea that that you've got in your head that um you know we're struggling to monetize. Um, <laughs> yeah. basically, basically, we'll give away the idea and then someone else can do it and you can curse me for. Man, I'm going to be I'm going to be watching uh, the History Channel or something in like in like <laughs> three years and someone's going to have this television idea and I'm going to be like that was mine. No, Indeed. I was uh, I'm not going to say the organization. But I was at a, um, I was at a, I was at a sporting event, you know, and pretty, pretty decent sized one where there's a few thousand people that could, you know, can be seated and stuff like that. And I was in the concession area and it was just a total mess. And I was just very confused with the process of how the line went. I probably had some blow, low blood sugar where I couldn't wait to get out of there. And I was just really starting to look around the building and realize how things seemed out of place. There wasn't a system to how things, you know, can move smoothly. And, and I really was just kind of thinking of the stuff I talk about in the classroom, the things I actually do at the Schomburg Boomers as far as customer service and the fan experience portion. And I just was kind of joking around while I was frustrated with low blood sugar. And um, I, was, I was saying to my girlfriend that, uh, you know, I should have a show where I just am like a secret shopper, almost like kind of uh, what's that one show that people used to watch a lot? Um, Mr. Uh, Undercover Boss. Boss. Yeah. yeah, I was kind of joking around saying, oh, I should have a show like that where I just go into different you know, arenas or, or stadiums and stuff like that. And basically I just kind of walk around and evaluate um, you know, the service, the concessions, the cleanliness, um, you know, just all different kinds of things like you would at any type of retail you know, secret shopper, or um, there was a period of time, very brief period of time where I did, I was like a secret shopper for a fitness chain. And I would just kind of walk in and um, they input all my information. And I I'd, I'd pretend like I knew nothing about, uh, you know, going into a gym or, or the, or the fitness, you know, realm, even though I had worked in it for years and trained thousands of uh, 
you know, hundreds and hundreds, if not thousands of athletes and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, it's just more like of a kind of a mystery shopper kind of thing. And I kind of joke around where I'm like, oh, how do I monetize that? But I've, I've thought about it where I'm like, you know, with just the connections that I have, um, maybe doing something like that where I come out to a game with some friends or family and just kind of get a, uh, you know, creating some sort of grid or some sort of system of, of a rating system what I think would be important um, mm -hmm. and just kind of report back to these places and say, you know, Hey, I came out as a casual fan and this is just kind of what I came up with. And, you know, like all good things, when you do that enough, eventually somebody is going to start asking you, you know, sure. word will get out and people might ask you if you, if you, if you do a decent job, you know, people might actually mm -hmm. be reaching out to you to do it. So yeah, that was just kind of more, more my little idea. <laughs> and it's something I've just been kind of dancing around with for, almost a year now where I'm like, I got to put, you know, pen to paper and kind of draft some sort of plan of what that actually would look like. You know, I know that we, we would love you to do it for us, but yeah, yeah unfortunately, Jed, John and I know your face. So it's going to, unless you come in in a mask, it's going to be slightly tricky. Um, yeah. We, we, you really should check out the podcast we just did with Mark Bradley. That's the one preceding yours. If you go back on our stream, um, he heads up fan experience co um and it's absolutely that it's kind of he started off basically mystery shopping um soccer clubs right um and go judging the whole experience from catering to ticketing to the the website to all of that and again the actual event you can't control it so he didn't give a crap about that but um yeah that's spiraled to a different level but um it's absolutely what you're on the ground what you're talking about and it's something yeah. i've thought about as well there is a market for clubs that are trying to evolve i think there is there needs to be a focus on the whole experience thing again it goes back to that how long is the actual experience is it the 90 minutes the nine innings the four the four quarters whatever or is it yeah. bigger than that and if it's bigger than that what are you doing and i think the more people that draw attention to it the clubs that would reach out and take advantage of that um the the better position those clubs are to survive whatever lies ahead of this in the, the TikTok generation. Sure. Yeah. And, and things are always changing too, you know, so something that worked two years ago, that was a big hit might not be relevant anymore, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and I'm certainly not the person that's always at the cutting edge of the new technology or the new social media. I don't have a TikTok account. I really don't know what the, that all entails other than some videos and stuff like that. Um, but uh, yeah, you know, that's uh, and it, something something might work in one sport or one market and it's not going to work 50 miles away. Even if you execute it the exact For same, sure. you know, so yeah. your demographic of people certainly has a lot to do with it too. Indeed, there's, indeed. there's a lot of that too, Dave, that, uh, Nick and I've been with our club, you know, pretty much the whole time and we get stale within our own ideas. That's why it's so refreshing to have interns come bring a fresh look at, at everything we're doing and sure. um, having somebody come in and, and, see one of our games and then maybe there's something we do that translates to the boomers and vice versa. Like it doesn't have to be, this is what all the other soccer clubs, this is what all sure. the other baseball team, like it, it very much, it's again, we're all sort of in the same business um, mm -hmm. of family entertainment. So mm -hmm. uh, I think, yeah, there's a, there's, a, there's a good idea there. We'd love to have you out and um, with your mustache and, uh, right. and maybe like a nice mullet wig and yeah, uh, just just some hair generally would probably just do enough, wouldn't it? Oh, you come with me. Age, I'm. It's all right. Uh, that's um, fair, all right. Fair enough. All right, John. Any closing questions? No, no I appreciate it, Dave. I, uh, I I look forward to continuing to uh, work with you and your students and uh, 
speaking in the spring whenever you'll have me and yeah uh, keep building something great here locally and i appreciate your time of course yeah no i appreciate you guys uh, inviting me on it was nice no thank you very much Dave.